welcome to Shoot First, Talk Later, the photo shoot podcast with me, Robert Gershenson. My guest this week is David Morgan. He's a stand-up comic and has been for the better part of 10 years. And he's also a TV presenter. He has a show on ITV2 called Safe Word. And he's also uh, one of the hosts of the companion show to I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. If you want to see the portraits I've just shot of David, head to www.sftl.photos. We've done the shooting, now let's do the talking. Hello, David. Hello. Are you well? Very well, actually, thank you. I'm a bit tired because I've just come back from Manchester, but yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I was going to say, you've, you've actually lost weight a bit. Oh, yeah, thanks. Oh, I'll take that. Uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a, a conscious decision to do uh, that? No, I got poorly. Oh. Uh, not like bad poorly, just like a flu thing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't eat for like eight days. And I've managed to keep it off, which is quite <laughs> nice. Um, How long ago was that? It was great. Really well timed. It was just before the series, second series of Safe Web was filming as well. So it was like, <laughs> thank you very much. That's, uh, I look all right on camera. Do you, do you find now that you've kind of moved into presenting that mm. there's a kind of a pressure to be more kind of fit and, uh, you know, um, more, more healthy and... Sort of not from, not from other people, because uh, I'm not a girl. Um, when you're on telling you're a boy, people don't really care about what you're wearing and what you look like. You, don't, you, you get, very rarely get comments um, on what you look like. Uh, if, whereas girls get kind of torn apart. Well, girls get torn apart mm. anyway <clears> in the media, but I think, I think the, the blokes do. I think... It's a different kind of banter. Though. It's, it's more kind of a joshy rather than, oh, you look awful. Or, You're a giant yeah. fat man. Like it's, <laughs> I didn't, I, I, maybe I just do quite well. I mean, put the make out of my hair, but, um, but you do that anyway. Fine. Yeah, because it's ridiculous. I do find that with, with comedians, they kind of get a free pass. You, they don't have to be gym fit and they don't have no. to be super aesthetically pleasing. They can be well, fat and yeah. they can be odd looking. And weirdly... If you are if you are really hot, like if you do work out and you are kind of hench, it can affect how people laugh at your jokes. Because if you're because you because you sort of have to be uh, an everyman, like it's a status thing, and you have to be on the kind of on the level of the people watching you. So if you're too buff, people are gonna look at you and be like, ugh. He's got an easy life. I don't want to hear what he's got to say about being funny. <laughs> so I know there are comedians that are buff that deliberately wear bulky clothes, so you can't tell that they're mega hot underneath their tops um, because they have to relate to the audience. Is that an easy thing? A, a is that an easy thing to realise when you first start out that mm. you, you kind of have to be relatable? It's almost like, I mean, the, the, the best comedians are on the same, arrogance-wise, ego-wise, they're on the same level as mm. the audience. Is that a hard thing to come sort to? Of, well, I don't know if it's like being on the level, perhaps. It's more about the fact that in order to laugh at someone, you have to like them. Like, if you don't like someone, it's very, very, very difficult to laugh at what they say. Um, so you, we have to get the ones to like you. And then um, you can't... There are some people who are condescending deliberately. It's like Miles Jupp, for example, his his uh, I'm not his familiar persona. with him. So he hosts the news quiz now. He's a very, very good... Uh, he was a very good stand-up. He did more kind of characters and sketches, but his thing was always to talk down... Uh, Purposely? Pump, yeah. Some so of that's part of a character. character. Yeah, very kind of, um, it was a, a, definitely a part of a character that was their status. And it's very difficult to pull off high status. Julian Clary does it a little bit as well, where he'll talk down to the audience because he's better than, but equally there's a, there's a slither of self, self-hatred in that at the same time. Same with uh, Dame Edna. Uh, like they will be high status, but equally we know that 
they're also low status in our minds. Yeah. There's, there's quite a fun thing happening. So it's it's high status is very difficult to play. It, an odd thing happened when when Tim Allen came back to mm. comedy after years of doing you know um, <clears throat> Home Improvement yeah. and and the Pixar films, mm. and his comedy became more about. He had this routine where he said, "So my Ferrari broke down mm. on." On, on the road and I was on the side of, of, of the road and it was all based around that and I, th- I think the audience were just like mate you've got a Ferrari just yeah. buy another one yeah yeah 100% <laughs> 100% like you have to, if you're doing especially if you're doing observational comedy not enough people have that observation of how awful it is when your Ferrari breaks down so you can't laugh at it because all you're thinking is I want a Ferrari or <laughs> good I'm glad your Ferrari broke down you dickhead I remember Eddie Izzard said um the best comedy is universal. Mm. So if you're talking about issues with the bus, talk about the bus, not the number 53 from Oxford Circus. Mm. Mm. Um, Although the other problem with that is that specificity is very funny. <laughs> so it's like Victoria Wood would always use a brand name rather than, uh, so she'd say Woman's Weekly rather than Woman's Magazine. Yeah. And it's funnier because it's a brand name. But that, that, makes, it, that makes it quite domesticated. True, true, and true. your true, comedy true. has that, I feel. Mm. Um I was watching some today, the, the one from Spank. Oh, God, yeah, where I'm really mean to a woman in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what did she do? Oh, a man in the audience. The, the, the one where you call him Ronald McDonald. Oh, he was being, yeah, he was just being, he was dressed as Ronald McDonald, I think. He was being a dick. Oh, he, he was, was actually dressed as Ronald I McDonald. I think so, yeah. Okay. I used to say word in that a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mum. Conservative. Yeah, conservative. But that gig, <laughs> that gig is a, that gig starts at half past midnight. And so I, everyone's tanked up. I was on second last, so I was going on at like quarter to two in the morning. <sighs> That's like oh, it's great though. Such it's such a fun gig. Spanks where I get my angry out. I'm quite nice in general life. Is that in is in it in Edinburgh? Edinburgh? Yeah, it's okay. a really late night gig in Edinburgh. And you only do one of those. You only one spank a year. Oh no! Well, no, so it's on all, all through Edinburgh, and I'll do it two or three times. Yeah. Oh, I see. So the show runs for the whole month. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, get yeah. Different people each yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a mixed bag okay. show. Yeah, yeah. It's like a party show. It's crazy. Um, I asked uh, Lou Sanders mm. when she was on the podcast if. Edinburgh is it's like a rites of passage do all comedians have to do Edinburgh uh, not so much anymore because it's changing I mean you had to because it's essentially a comedy convention it's like comedy camp so yeah. you go up there you see people people see you uh, you make connections you get gigs and jobs and stuff from it like Edinburgh is was, was great for me because it kind of told people who I was but now it's also brilliant to go up for personal development like doing a show every day for 28 days makes you a better comedian and and then doing all the gigs on top of that so you'll do your show for an hour every day but you'll also do four or five gigs during the day because you can because there's room to and then you might do a chat show you might do a a panel show while you're up there like it's really good fun and it is good for professional for professional development i don't now think it's as important but i do think because there's other ways to get your art out there I know I said get your art out, that was just terrible. But <laughs> like with making short films or um, doing that kind of stuff, also it's really expensive. It, it's like to do Edinburgh, I mean, even if you do the free fringe, you're still paying thousands of pounds in order yeah. to be up there. I was chatting to a comedian yesterday who's who's looking for photos mm. and he was telling me that his his budget for the whole thing is 10 grand. Mm. That's, that's 10 grand just for a month. Yeah. 
Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? It is. It is no, <laughs> I mean, you, you look at me as if like, that's crazy. I'm it's like, crazy. you have not seen my budgets where if I sold out, I would still lose money. Like that's how. You never you, you never break even. You never make. Does anyone make money off it? Yeah, off, yeah. Uh, you can make money if you, okay. if you keep going up But if there. you're above a line. So um, the Jimmy Cars, if they came back, they would Jimmy they would Cars make, make money. I mean, he's going to make money wherever he goes. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to come during Edinburgh. In fact, it annoys us when he does because he scoops up all the audience. Yeah. Uh, but like people go and see people off the telly and they make money. Um, if you go up there a lot you can make money if you keep going like uh, Daniel Sloss for example uh, very big in Scotland and you, you wouldn't really he's not done that much TV he's done a bit in America and stuff but pardon me not over here and so um, it's weird that he sells out a 450 seater every day at the fringe every day yeah so like he um, and then like uh, Mark Watson as well like he has been on television a bit but he's been around for 20 he's been yeah exactly 20 but years, he's been going there. for so long so he yeah. can sell out massive rooms and uh yeah, people like people like that can can sell. So you can make decent money. Like Pete Furman as well, like the magician, he mm-hmm. sells out every night. So you can make really good money. You're going this again? No, this no, year no. off, another year off. I wouldn't. Ha- I because the second year of the safe word was where it was. I just don't think I'd have had a show written. Yeah, and because I've got a little bit more profile. I would have been reviewed and it would have been bad and that would have been awful. Uh, so I'd rather I'd rather wait. And also because it is a bit expensive, I'd rather wait until I've got something new to say. Um, that might be next year, the year after, just okay. to, to figure it out. But I do, I love, like, I love it. I really love Edinburgh. It's so I went much fun. Once mm. for five days, six years ago, <laughs> and it's not the shows. Oh, I just, I literally ate my microphone. <laughs> it's not the shows that are exhausting. Although, if it's a really bad show, oh, it's the worst and place. and the people on stage can see you, it's not like you can mm-hmm. just sneak out. You've yeah, got yeah, to yeah. withdraw. You know, you've got to in, endure that hour. But it's the drinking and the partying mm-hmm. and the socialising that really, really fucking drains drains me. It's like Freshers' Week, but for a month, <laughs> it, it's horrible. And then the problem is, you you realise you're aging because when I did it and I was you know 24, my first Edinburgh, I would go out and go crazy. Be like, well, this is amazing. And a couple of years ago, I was up, just a bit older, and you're like, nope. <laughs> I, 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 you gotta I, go to bed. I got. I, I hosted Spank one night, and I, I didn't drink that very much when I was <clears throat> back then. And I was when you host Spank, it's it's kind of it's crazy and ridiculous. And uh, so I was guest hosting with a, another comedian. And normally you do a shot before the show starts. And I was like, oh guys, normally they do a shot, but I don't drink. But should I drink tonight? And obviously the audience went, no, David, you stay too total. <laughs> so they made me drink that shot, and then. Every time I went on stage, someone would pass another drink to me. And so the first time I ever downed a pint in my life was in front of 250 people yelling at me. <laughs> and, I, and then I did, I think, eight pints that night. And for someone who doesn't drink, that's a lot of... For someone who does drink, I couldn't That's a lot pints. of alcohol. And so yeah. I was... I was so, like, I was, well, then, you ruined the next, for a the week. The next day, I, was, I had a bath to try and sweat it out. And then yeah. I, I emptied the bath and remained in the bath for another hour. Just in this empty bath, just <laughs> going like, I can't. I can't even move. I hate everything. <laughs> I am... Um, uh, I'm very conscious about that. I, I can't handle my mm. drink anymore. I had a yeah. bottle of wine last night. And <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel quite rough today. Um... A couple of weeks ago, I was I was doing a, a video gig, mm. and we were shooting this. Um, we were shooting a um, a listening party um, for uh, a, an album that came out. Yeah. Um, a young guy called uh, Zayn Malik. So, um, <laughs> oh, I've heard of him. I've heard of her. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so <laughs> we we filmed that, and then because because he's the world's most famous Muslim, apart yeah. from Allah the Great. <laughs> 
um, he always takes the top spot. Um, a lot of the a lot of the girls they got to come and and, and see and, and mm. listen to the 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 album in like a silent disco kind of way. They had mm. headphones on. A lot of them were Muslim, so there was a lot of wine left over. Oh, okay. And we we worked our way through the wine <laughs> and then the budget that was behind the bar. Oh God. And I got to bed about three a.m., which mm. is. For me, I'm I'm always in bed by like half eleven watching Aww. RuPaul on Netflix. <laughs> but I had to get up the next day because I was going to Nottingham for a, for another job, mm. and I I woke up with the most god almighty headache, and I was like dry heaving, but nothing was oh, coming god. out. I don't know how the fuck I managed <laughs> to get up, get to King's Cross, eat. I was eating. Oh, I was disgusting. I was sat in, stood against the wall, eating wasabi, waiting for my train. <laughs> then I got on my train. I'm very conscious that I can't. I can't do it anymore. So, mm. I remember John Waters. I remember he said, if he wants to get drunk, he has to schedule it into his into his calendar <laughs> about six weeks in advance. That's so funny because he knows the next day or the day after mm. he's going to be completely wiped out. Yeah, yeah. Um, with presenting, was it ever the plan? to go into presenting no and kind of what i've gotten into is is kind of a sideways so like safe word i'm still doing comedy because we're roasting comedian roasting celebrities so that's not really presenting kind of rick does all well, the, the like legwork yeah, yeah yeah so rick does all the presenting on that and then but for for now i was still a comedian like it was like we're gonna go to david now for the comedy but then i did have a bit where we did the post bag essentially so it was a fan say what and uh, fans would send stuff in and I'd have to present that and it's never been a thing i'd I haven't been desperate to do it, but I was always like, that's a thing that I maybe could do. Because it's also really hard to practice doing. Like, there aren't really any open spot presenting gigs. Like, you don't <laughs> just point. go to a, above a pub and introduce <laughs> some clips. Like, it's a bit weird. But so it was, it was a bit kind of feet first to do it live in front of, you know, what was 1.1 million on the first episode, you know. Wow. Uh, Do so TV that, shows get that much these days? Yeah. That's that, that, this is a spin-off show as well. So we, we kind of... What's it spin-off from? From I'm a Celeb, so... Uh, oh, so sorry, I'm a Celeb. I thought, I'm a celeb you meant, I thought you were talking about Safe Word. Oh, Safe Word does not get 1.1 million. Okay, right. Yet. Uh, it will do. <laughs> Watch it in June. Um, When's it back? Back in June-ish time, we June-ish? Think? Yeah, okay. Yeah. You should all watch, please. ITV2, Thursdays at 10. Um, sometime in June. Sometime in June. I know it's a Thursday and I know it's at 10, but it's in June. Um, okay, well, I, I can understand that I'm mm. celebrity will get 1.3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. the last episode, I got 1.8. Like, it was a lot of people. Wow. Um, but it's, that's really fun and, and great. And also people watch it and it's, you know, it's, it's really cool. But, you know, I was so scared. Uh, I think the... I, I was because we do a pretend week beforehand where we kind of practice doing the show. So that so was quite rehearsal. nice. Yeah, we do yeah. rehearsal with pretend people in the jungle so they can test out the games and stuff. And then... Uh, not the, f- the actual celebrities. Not the actual just celebrities. Just like, well, they're, they're Australian reality stars. That's what we put in the jungle. And we right. kind of test out the games and we're really cruel to them and then we make a show up about them. <laughs> and then... Um, so you do like three of those and then with a fake Anton deck and then Anton deck come over and we do the main show. Are and they over for the whole... Sit, whole um, run of the, the no, series or they keep jumping back oh no, no they're there for the whole run okay. it's, it's very far away I don't know if you don't know that like Australia's quite a distance <laughs> it's on the other uh, side of the globe isn't 100% it? it's so far away <laughs> and also you have to work nights as well so because the show's oh, course, so the show's yeah. on at 11 here which is uh, 8 in the morning in Australia time so you're getting up at like so I got, well, I, got well, I suppose that's alright because your body clock will never change sort of but it's really hard to close the curtains at 4pm on a, on, a re- on a what was a sea view from my room yeah. like, oh god <laughs> it's so nice oh, first world problems I mean I can't compare that like I was in Australia for five weeks and it was lovely <laughs> on, on the uh, ITV budget mm-hmm. what was your journey into comedy how do you even get into it how do you how do you make that decision because I've, I've spoken to Tom Allen about yeah, this yeah. 
how do you make the decision to get up on stage and try and make people laugh? Oh, sheer arrogance. No, it's, uh, for me, it was kind of a weird route. Like, I always loved comedy. I really liked it. Like, uh, one of my first boyfriends worked at the Glee Club in Birmingham, which was one of the best comedy clubs in the UK. I used to move food and I'd kind of go in to meet him early and watch the comedians there. I sort of didn't realise it was a job people could have. And I sort of got into it through, I was in Leicester, I was living with a boy who dumped me. And I didn't really have many friends because he didn't let me have any. And so I what? looked around, oh, that's a long tale, boring. Um, <laughs> so we, then we went kind of, um, was he one of the I went controlling boys. Sort of, yeah, it was quite controlling. That's fine, he's nice now, he's married, got a dog and everything. Married uh, to? Some other boy. Um, okay. And uh, so we we kind of, uh, he left and I was like alone in Leicester and Leicester's got a really good comedy festival in February it's, it's, it's brilliant and they had a improv group that met and I was like well I used to do stuff like that in Solihull uh, let's join that and I might meet some funny people so I joined that and it was really fun I used to do that all the time and then Leicester Comedy Festival put on a, uh, a stand-up comedy workshop where you're going to get together and write some material and they asked if I wanted to be part of it so I got part of it did my first gig, then did a couple of other gigs. Really got into it, loved it. Do you remember your first so gig? So much fun. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. It was uh, really, really lovely, very warm and, and nice. And then the second gig was a car crash, horrifying awfulness. Okay, um, so, so walk me through, walk me through the, the Well, because the first, the first gig, gig was... What, what was your material? Do you well, remember? The, uh, God, I, I can't, and I would definitely not do it for you now because it would make me cringe. Oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you to Cringe do to high heaven. <laughs> but that's weird, isn't it? Because like, you can say to a... Um, like a singer-songwriter. Mm. Oh, play me a quick song. But you never say to a comedian, tell me that one you did. People do, though. Like, really? Tell us a joke. And you're like, no. Oh, tell you a joke. No. Like, because like, obviously, like, if, I don't know, let's say Adele, if she was sat here, I would say, oh, sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I, I can't wait for you to have Adele on this show. It's um, really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's difficult to segue in. It's like, you can segue into a joke, into a song, because there's, you know, like, music beforehand. But I can't just be like, so, anyway, I was... No, uh, you say that. It is weird. You say that on... on um, like on on Jonathan Ross and, mm. and you know chat shows, I do feel that the guest will be asked a question and then they will reply by doing a little bit. Oh, a hundred percent. I, I so slip, they 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 do yeah, say yeah. I do slip material into the everyday conversation uh, just to test it out, or because well, no, you're that arrogant. Because I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I want to get a laugh at the table, especially if it's people I don't really know. Like uh, my boyfriend will hear it. He he says my voice changes the moment okay. I start to materially. His he, and I can hear his eyes rolling. Like the moment do I you come do out that. With it. Do you do the comedian thing where you say something, then you wait for the reaction. You say, then you say it again in a slightly <laughs> up inflection tone, and then I don't, you say it again. I don't get to comedy redo- comes in three. Yeah, I don't get to redo it annoyingly. <laughs> David, uh, David will be like, my boyfriend's also called David. Sorry, you guys don't know, but that's what he's called. And the guy uh, in the mirror, the guy. He um, he will be like. Uh, He'll do some of my material sometimes in conversation. Oh, really? And I'll be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, yeah, it, just, it drives me insane if he I does do it better. But he, uh, annoyingly him, <laughs> because I've heard it from me. He's done, David's done stand-up. No, classes, you're joking. He'd hate it. He's, he's got, run stand-up comedy He runs, nights. yeah, so okay. uh, I went, well, first I went to Edinburgh, he ran like the box office of the venue I was working at. And, uh, like, That's tonight, where you met? Uh, no, no, we met. At, you know, we met on, on Gator back in the olden days. Oh my God, I, I just broken up with that boy, uh, Mark. He yeah. just broken up with his boyfriend, and it was a one night stand, and he never went home. Oh wow! Yeah, one of those. Yeah, yeah. Ten years later, he's still bloody there. It's a nightmare. Got Moved to, house six times. Got to find me one of those. <laughs> um, so tell me about your second one, the the car crash. Oh, so the first gig was lovely because it was the end of the um, the end of the thing, like the end of the workshop. So it was all kind of friends and family, and yeah. it was really warm. Oh, supportive, warm, people. supportive people. And my not second, the real world. No, no, then my second gig was the real world. I was just doing an open spot at a at a gig, and I like in I, it was it was no in in Leicester. in Leicester. Like it was fine, 
but it didn't go as well. And so I was like, well, obviously I'm terrible. I mean, I have to just keep going and, and you get better and better. It's, it's do, you remember, do you remember? I mean, I'm not asking you to do. It's your, all right. I'm not asking you to do your joke, mm. but do you remember what your, your kind of style was then? And how was it developed it was, from there? It was stories. It was still kind of what I do now, like stories with jokes in, but um, it was a bit more acty outy. Like I kind of did a, a lot more acting. Uh, I think it must have been about going to dyslexic football camp. I think that's what it ah. was. Because my mum, because I'm dyslexic, uh, you know, gay, dyslexic, short-sighted. Woohoo, the trio. And, uh, <laughs> the Holy Trinity. It's so nice. Uh, so much funding. Anyway, um, and my mum sent me to, because I hate football. And my mum decided that it was, it was because of dyslexic. That's why I hate football, not because football is awful. So I went to this dyslexic football group thing. Where they, and you were all dyslexic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, I just was did that? not care. I only went a couple of times because I didn't like football. <laughs> I, I hated football. I used to I used to elect to be either in goal or in defence mm. so I can chat to the other guy who turns out was gay as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But neither of us neither of us knew then we were too young and fat. <laughs> but that that's kind of and at one point I remember at one point in, in secondary school I decided, Oh, I'll, I'll just be a goalie. Then mm. I won't need to run because I was I was like <laughs> gaining weight. And I was like, well, yeah, that they don't move. It, it didn't dawn on me until I was stood there with the gloves on, shivering in my, in, in my shorts. That <laughs> they'd be kicking the fucking ball towards me. <laughs> so I was like, no, this ain't going to work. Aww. So I started bunking off uh, lessons and going to the art room. God and that's when you. I first learned that Jerry left the Spice Girls. Mm. Uh, Jill Dando had been shot. <laughs> um, yeah, all, all the Were all you the running a gay newsroom? <laughs> Yeah, all the classic, uh, all the classic lady stories from the late nineties. Mm. Um, oh God! One th- one thing that's kind of like a recurring, a recurring theme on this this podcast is, I'm always in- interested to know how people who are in sort of uh, creative jobs mm. how they keep away that niggling voice that says you're shit. You can keep it away. <laughs> so again, I think you can. I, that, that's there all the time. That's there forever. That's the problem. It's, but equally, you need that. I think it's important because if you don't have that, if you don't have someone going, you're not good enough, then you don't try harder. So you do need that in your head. Like it, if it becomes too loud, then that's terrible. But then if you lose it, then you become delusional and you make terrible work, and and then you'll lose your focus i think it's horrible that you have to have it's more for me it's not so much people thinking i'm shit because actually i know that i'm not now because i've done enough work and i've done enough gigs and i haven't died so hard that it's because my stuff is bad or i don't know how to read a room like i can i can have an an, not a great gig but i haven't had a stinker in a long time touching all of the wood in this room um (laughs) but like the other problem is the fear of getting found out. That's that's the big worry when someone comes up to you and goes, I'm so sorry, I don't know what you think you're doing, but you have to stop now. Like that's the weird thing, because no one no one ever tells you, Oh, you're a comedian now. Like even if you get bigger gigs and bigger jobs and bigger stuff, no one no one ever goes to you, Oh, well done, you're a comedian now and it's it's never gonna go away because in the back of your head you're like, when this could go away tomorrow and I'll have to go back to being a graphic designer. Like that's that's kind of how it is. It, uh, so I you sort of keep away the your shit thing by remembering all the times you weren't. I think that's kind of how I do it. I'm like, oh, okay, but I had a really good gig then. It was a great night. And, and I did this and it was people really liked it. And I thought I was really funny on this. But then you do have the your shit voice, but you have to I, drag it I out. call that, that thing you said about um, 
being found out. I call that uh, the, the the concept of the talent police. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, someone's gonna turn up and be like, "I've looked at your website, mm. and we, the, yeah, yeah, the council have decided that you know you need to sell your gear mm. and you need to just go get yourself a really uncreative job because you're really shit at what <laughs> you do." But what what are the things that, that trigger that that voice for you? Mm. Oh, what the you're gonna get found out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being thrown in a a brand new situation. Uh, so the first time I did telly, you have a massive panic because no one tells you how to do it. There's no training course, and they've they've hired you to be on the show because they're like, oh, you can do it, but you've never done it before, and you mm. don't know. Like you don't know if you're gonna be good, and so that's terrifying. What was your first telly? Uh, the first ever telly I did was Big Brother's bit on the side, and I was on the panel. Oh, so it, wasn't even, it wasn't even stand up it was no it was but you're, I guess you're you're, I, I you're employed try, to be funny I, in that yeah, yeah. situation I tried to be funny who and was hosting it uh, that was back when it was uh, Emma uh, Emma Willis the oh, so it was adorable when it was amazing on, when it so was on Channel 4 it's the moment it moved to Channel 5 that was the, so the first, first series it moved oh, to Channel okay. 5 oh of course because Brian Downing did it for one or two mm. years didn't he he hosted the main show yeah, yeah. yeah. oh actually before that I did some uh, some talking heads yeah so I did like the 50 shocking celebrity moments or whatever and yeah. uh, what's the other ones all, I think all comedians have all to of do, them have I to love those I love doing love them those. they're great they're really fun and you when just I was in the room and chat and I also mean, when you I do was, anyway yeah exactly <laughs> and when I was like uh, a young person kind of going into comedy I was like oh I really want to do those talking head shows and oh. turns out now everyone thinks they're, they're wank and I'm like no I still do them they're great but they've uh, kind of they've been done to death mm, for the past 15 years people still watch them though yeah, get viewers. Yeah, that dogs do the funniest things. Like, <laughs> got four million on Channel Five. It's it keeps crazy. Um, keeps Alex Zane in. Well, <laughs> um, so you did that. You did yeah. Big Brothers bit on the uh, side, on the and side. then I did uh, Fake Reaction, which was a uh, an ITV two panel show where they made celebrities do awful things. And then I did. What did uh, they make you do? Uh, I got away with it. Actually, they okay. I had to dress as Harry Styles, and then I might have been electrocuted, but I wasn't electrocuted. Um, <laughs> And then your acting like, skills came in. What else did I do? Sweat the small stuff on BBC Three. They did Viral Tap on ITV Two. Viral Tap. Viral Tap was uh, Matt Richardson and Caroline Flack, uh, and it was we watched uh, films from the internet and went, "Oh, that's funny." Okay, it's pretty much that. <laughs> it's like uh, Rude Tube, but a panel show. Right. You love a panel show. <laughs> love a panel show. I, I do love. Well, I love watching them, and I love being on them. Like it's really cool. Is that is that the only? I mean. I had this discussion with with Lou Sanders. Mm. It seems America have really nailed how to get stand up on television properly. Really? Yeah. How? In the sense that, um, like back in the day, you'd have Johnny Carson. Mm. Now you've got uh, Jimmy Kimmel um, and those kind of late night sh- talk shows where they'll they'll champion the new uh, comedian of the moment and give them a, a kind of a step up. Here, I don't see that that much. I know the BBC do. Uh, Apollo, mm. but it's always people who you've probably heard of already. It's not like ah, th- this person is fresh out the clubs. Let's give him ten minutes on the telly. But that, it seems on in this country, yeah. panel shows are the route in. Yeah, because it's uh, it's burning material. So in America, if you do your seven minute slot on Carson back in the olden days, back or if you do it on uh, Conan now, or if yeah. you do uh, um, Jimmy Kimmel, whatever. You can then tour based on doing that for the next year because because America is fucking massive. Yeah. And you've only burned seven minutes of material. In the UK, if you go on to do 
you know, 20 minutes on the Apollo. You can't tour that 20 minutes now because you've burned it on television. It's like it's a, and you can't tour the UK for a year based on that one performance. So it's just, it's economies of scale. That's all it is. You could, what, so let's say you, let's say you got 20 minutes on Apollo. If yeah. You brought it back. They don't do anymore, do they? Yeah, they don't on, on BBC Two now with, with younger people. So like, uh, uh, like newer comedians were on it. Okay. Um, but you could, you could base a, Surely if you have enough material, you do your 20 minutes there and then you go and do an hour and a half. Yeah, but you can't, do that, you can't do that 20. You but could, you can, you you can could. tour. But also, and also you, you can't tour. Like back in the olden days, you could sell a tour based on being on What the Week, like one, one appearance on What the Week. Whereas now, you know, people who... You say that in the olden days, that's like five years ago. Well, that's the olden days to us <laughs> now going, oh God. Uh, and there's just a lot of comedians. I think... Uh, there is stand up on television, like there's live at the BBC, and then there's the. Is that uh, what Russell the new one's ha- called? Yeah, well, it's the one on BBC Three. Okay. And then there's uh, Russell Howard, Stand Up Central. Uh, there was. Um, oh, Mock. Th- uh, no, uh, Stand Up for the Week on Channel Four. That's gone now. But, like, there's. There are opportunities, but then we don't have those late night talk shows that need content, and there aren't that many comedians that could do telly. Like, it's. It, I, think it's I think people look at America and think it's so much better, but actually it's just different because it's a different sized country I think the fact that we can export so many comedians to the US and the rest of the world and the fact that our culture is so prevalent across the world is tantamount to that we're amazing testament that we're really good at making stuff up I think because our weather is so shitty we have to stay inside and (laughs) learn to cheer ourselves up and is America is it a goal not like uh, it's hard work I've got friends who've gone out there and tried to to do stuff and it's it's a it's very different it's a very different culture and equally, like it, you have to start from scratch, and I've only just just started to scratch here. <laughs> it, I mean, it takes a long, it's mm. a long slog mm. to be to be uh, uh, like a genuinely great comedian in this country. Mickey, what's his name? Mickey, Mickey Flanagan. Yeah, he was like working for twenty years before he got his. Oh yeah, his yeah, big yeah break. totally, totally. And Bill Bailey, like, his quote, he said that. Um, He's an overnight sensation, but it took 20 years to be the overnight oh, yeah. sensation. Well, even David Williams and Matt Lucas, like, yeah. everyone's like, uh, Little Britain came along. I'm like, God, where did these guys come from? They're so exciting and uh, uh, brand, brand new. And it's like, no, 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 no they've no. done three series of rock profiles yeah. and they've been around for like I 15 years. I love rock profiles. I prefer rock profile to Little Britain. Oh, 100%. I agree. Yeah. Although Little Britain has some amazing bits. First series of Little Britain yeah, was yeah, yeah. genius. Mm. Second one, really just, they got, I think, <laughs> I think they got completely lazy. And by the third, and then. The secret fourth one, the yeah. Little Britain in the USA, was just dire. <laughs> um, but they did such a weird thing. They put out a press release saying, we're no longer going to work together. But they didn't seem to have any... There was no point to it. I didn't get it. What, they're not working together? Yeah, they put out a press release saying, we're not going to work together anymore. I mean, there's a secret story that I can tell you later that's not on podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, that's all the time, that's all the time <laughs> we got for. Um, one, one thing I'm really interested in mm. is... Um, I was thinking about this with filmmakers. I was watching... Um, have you ever seen The Rules of Engagement? It's a film with Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. Sadly not, but um, continue anyway. So it's by... It's, it's directed by a guy called William Freakin. And mm. he yeah, yeah. Um, directed The Exorcist yeah. and the, the, the French Connection mm. um, and Cruising, the wonderful film <laughs> with Al Pacino. Um, and I was watching it I was, and I was thinking, if I didn't know it was a William Freakin film... There's nothing happening on camera in, in the way that he's moving the camera, mm. the way he's setting up his scenes and, and you know, the symbolism and all that. There's nothing there that's making me think this is a William Freakin film. Okay. It's only because I know 
it's a William Friedkin film that I know it's a yeah. So you're saying film. he's he's not an auteur; he's a director. I think yeah. I think he he kind of be, he went from being an auteur to being a hired gun. Okay. And it got me thinking that when when you're a creative person, do you only have a shelf life? Is it only you've got a good five years where it's a burst and then you kind of lose it, but you can you can kind of keep going on the basis of that five years. Mm. Does that happen to comedians? Uh, well, you said it earlier, like when Tim Allen came back and he was trying to do his observation material, it's about Ferraris. Like, I think it just depends on, on how your life is kept, how you do, well, also what kind of comedy you like. Eddie Izzard, for example, can become mega famous and live in a bubble, but because his comedy is abstract and not necessarily about, you know, isn't it awful when you self-scan checkout gets mad at you that he can he can still remain i think it, I, oh because it I, I is was, true was, it is true that people drop off. i mean look at my you have to reinvent yourself we I mean, look at like madonna or even kylie you know the way that they get re-influenced by things although i think madonna's gone backwards because uh i think when she did like ray of light and then american life it was amazing and then she decided she would be a young thing again and you go yeah no I, no I no, think, no. I think <laughs> the problem with madonna is i think she thinks the what everyone wants is um, kind of like a prayer yeah, era yeah. Madonna. But you can't do that when you're no, in, w- in your mid-50s. I want to know what work. Madonna in her 50s is like. I want to yeah. know what that woman sings about. I want to know, I want to hear that. And I'm quite excited. So sort of why I like Kylie a little bit is that she's like one step away from her music slightly. But it's, I, li- I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't listen to Kylie. No, I mean, but... <laughs> you're wrong because she's incredible. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she is. But, but, but yeah. you know, I like my rock. Hence, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit like can't even think of a person in rock. Um, <laughs> but then it is sort of. But then it's similar for rock bands, isn't it? Really, I mean, everyone knows what you're going to get from, you know, Aerosmith. I mean, you know what you're going to get. You know, well, they they are. Look in in, in the rock community. Um, actually, I, I'm I'm going to put it wider to 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 bands as a whole mm. there's certain bands that make it a point that they don't want to live off the past so duran mm. duran are very good at that they just put out one of their best albums mm. they always say when they release an album this is our best since rio and it this new album really could be okay best since rio a band like the rolling stones mm. haven't released a hit single in about 30 35 years no. they're really living off what they did in the 60s certain comedians i think live off what they do well, it, it, yeah I mean, in, early on in their career i i am uh, sorry to interrupt you sorry i no, no, no. um i saw jimmy carr about 15 years mm. ago um at my brother-in-law's stag do mm. and no one knew who who he was this was about probably about 18 months before he started doing all those list shows yeah, that yeah, yeah. got him in in, mm. in everyone's faces so he came out and he he was doing his um he was doing the shtick that he d- I, I haven't seen him do since. He had a clipboard and it was almost like he was a survey taker yeah, yeah, yeah. asking questions and the questions were, you know, they were the jokes, yeah. punchline. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of, he kind of has that almost mm. now, but I just don't think what he's doing now, because I tried watching his Netflix special. I keep punching my microphone. <laughs> I tried watching his Netflix special and I got seven minutes in and I just had to Not turn for you. It just it wasn't for me. But back in the day he was he was amazing. It was like But it, then it also was your like, taste changed, maybe. Maybe your taste is uh, Yeah, but I mean yeah. But then it is true what you said about living off back catalogues. Like um there was quite an interesting HBO thing where it was uh, Chris Rock, Louis C. K. 
uh, Jerry Seinfeld being interviewed by Ricky Gervais about comedy. It was just comics talking about comedy. And uh, so like Chris Rock, for example, and Louis C.K. will turn over a new hour, a, a new a new torture every year. Yeah. Uh, because that's what they're doing. They're like writing a new hour. And, and so Louis C.K. does, he takes the, the punchline from his last hour and puts it at the beginning of his oh, new really? show. So he's like, well, now I have to... Because I've only watched one of his. Okay, yeah. so now I have to better that. I have to write better than the funniest joke in my last tour show. That's amazing. And that's, that's interesting. Really Chris Rock uh, just says he starts from scratch. Whereas Seinfeld would be like, why are you doing that? It's ridiculous. People have come to see the hits. So Chris, so Jerry Seinfeld will do old material that people already heard, but because it's Jerry Seinfeld, you'll go and see it because you want to hear the hits. You want to hear Duran Duran sing Rio. Yeah. Like, it is interesting. That, but it's like, in the same with music where you're like, you know when they're like, they do, oh, here's something from my new album and you can hear the audience roll. Um, yeah, but, Elton John always says, we'll get the new ones out of the way first and yeah, then we'll yeah. go to the classics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, because sometimes you, when you see, especially if it's one you don't see very often, you're like, I mean, just play the fucking hits, Kylie. That's all I want to say. Yeah. Um, which she did in Hyde Park. Very happy about it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and it is, it is interesting, that, that idea about creativity, but then also serving your audience. Like, you don't want to alienate your audience. Like, if you went to go and see Duran Duran, for example, playing, and they'd turned into a minimalist electronica band, you'd be like, oh, oh, guys, I don't know if I want I th- this. I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, but I their mean, audience wouldn't. Well, I don't know. I, th- I think there's a... There's obviously the, the diehards, yeah, 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 like myself and my mate Dan. Mm. When we we actually went to see them at the O2, mm. um, like in December, and um, in between Seal doing his set, amazing, um, and Duran Duran coming on, we got chatting to the girls behind us, um, and I was trying to gauge whether they were super fans mm. or not. And I said, hey, I, I would love them to do something off of Dazzleland, which is like the deepest cut you yeah, can go yeah. in terms of albums. It was the album that was only released in like Japan and America because <laughs> it flopped. And it was like blank face. And one of them just went like really sad. I hear they start with a new one. Oh, no. So I just turned heel. <laughs> I like, yeah, I can't talk to them. All they want to hear is Union of the Snake. I mean, <laughs> David and I went to... Um, to the All Saints uh, thing at oh, Coco. The, the, the recent one. The Coco, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've been listening to Red Flag. And, but if they hadn't have done Pure Shores, I would have stormed the stage and made and like, dragged an apple to them by a hair and be like, sing Pure Shores! The thing is, though, when the band's been gone mm, for 10 mm, years, it's been 10 definitely. years since they came out with that, that really cool 60s vibe. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a good album. I like that. I can't remember what the song was called, though. Like Walking down like Carnaby Street or some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rocksteady. Rocksteady, that's yeah, yeah. it. So they've been away for 10 mm. years. Of course they're going to come back and do the hit. But then how do you how do you kind of sustain yourself? Status quo were very good at, well, take at that. reinventing themselves. Take that I've done it, I think, now that they've come back and they've got the new albums. They've got a totally different sound to but what they But they're had. constantly doing yeah, new yeah, songs and yeah. their sets. It's almost like they said, we're a brand new band. Yeah, yeah So true. really, we can consider take that are only a, a 10-year-old band mm. in that sense. Okay. So they're, they're, their sets are obviously very heavily influenced. They're not just doing the hits. Um, But Status Quo are very good at at kind of reinventing. They might do, they've they've constantly done like since the 70s, a new album every year or so, Mm. maybe every every two years. But recently they got back with the original members. Yeah. Rolled out the old hits. Mm. Then... They they got rid of those two again and went back to the the, the newer version of the band and did their hits as acoustic classics. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're very good at, at, at doing that. It's hard to take that 
moment but it, that it's, and switch it to comedy though isn't it you can't I think go no you can't because also comedy requires surprise like I, we need to uh, we need to challenge your expectations of how the sentence is going to go or how the story is going to go to make you laugh because that's why you laugh you laugh yeah. at the unexpected nature of it or the uh, the surprise or the learning of new information so it's hard because I if I did the same opening five minutes at every show I did people wouldn't laugh at anymore because it would lose its impact so you're right it is hard to do that so you do have to reinvent yourself a lot like if you go and see Mika Flanagan do Out Out you know you already know it yeah you'll still laugh because it's it, that piece of material took him 15 years to write but do you still laugh? you do but it's, an, it's a different laugh it's that family guy kind of uh, it's, it's a recognition laugh rather than a learning laugh or a big laugh or a joy because I feel like I loved Eddie Izzard back in the day mm. like Dress to Kill late 90s yeah, yeah, yeah. so he did, he had like a run of four actually five amazing mm. uh, videos that, uh, Live at the Ambassadors he doesn't put out anymore because that's his <laughs> first one um, so like Glorious Dressed to Kill yeah, and, yeah. and I would howl with laughter mm. then he put out um, Circle yeah. and I wasn't too hot on that and he kind of lost it for me there if I go back and watch the old ones mm. I don't laugh anymore because i know them so yeah, well yeah, yeah. so i don't want to see no a comedian do ah out no or no, peter no. k do garlic fucking bread anymore mm-hmm. people do though people do want to hear that like who would be annoyed if you went to a milky family tour show and he didn't do out out for you as like an encore it is weird i, I find i do find it on people want to hear stuff you've heard before then you're an artistic brain and you quite like new constantly yeah but there yeah, are people really very, yeah very but there are people who don't get bored and do quite like watching coronation street every day because they know what's going to happen and they know that the, <laughs> the kind of all they watch uh i don't know one of those crime, crime procedurals like they want to they know how it goes but they quite like the regularity of it and so maybe they do want to see the hits they want to hear michael mcintyre talk about getting gazebo under the mandrel uh but then as a performer you get bored of that. You don't want to do the same thing over and over again. You, you, comedy dies. Like uh, Joel Dommett was talking about it. Uh, he's a really, really good comedian. Very, very funny. But he will turn over material much faster than anyone else I know. Because when he's bored of it, it stops being funny to the audience because they can tell that Joel doesn't want to tell the story anymore. Yeah. And um, how do you stay interested with your comedy? Uh, I retire stuff um, and don't do it for a bit. Like I've just started redoing a bit that I did ages ago that now works again because it has stopped working because I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, because I got so used to saying it. So I think, yeah, you, you, cause you have to surprise yourself as well. Yeah. And also I've changed. So I put new jokes in it and had a bit of a play with it. And but the, the basics are still there, but I've still got new bits, but it is with any creative art, you'll never finish with it. Like yeah, it's the way Tina Fey will saying about, um, about SNL. She's like, the show doesn't go up because it's ready it goes up because it's half past ten like yeah. that's it's just you have to do it when you do it yeah George Lucas says um, uh, films are not released they escape yeah, yeah yeah we only let it out because you know the studio <laughs> yeah. said we're putting it out on that date yeah um, so you've been with David for ten years ten years in May yeah yeah ten years in May that's a long it time it is a long to time isn't one it one individual person uh huh it's a long long slog <laughs> <laughs> how do you keep that interesting i my longest has been five yeah and i think by the end of it we were both we both realized that we had moved off into completely different well that's directions. the thing i mean we both moved off into completely different directions so i met david when i was 19 i was uh 22 21 21 uh cougar thank you uh i was on the hunt but like uh we've grown up together and we've been through so much and like i think 
one of the lovely things about being gay is not that straight couples can't have this, but I think it's 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 easier because of the gender situation. It's like I uh, I'm in love with my best friend. Like we are best friends, mm-hmm. and I tell him everything in the way that you tell a best friend. I don't have that weird thing that some straight couples have with like oh can't see the missus or oh, to go out with the blokes with my best mate. You know, oh, that's a bit strange. No, I was northern. I don't know why I made them northern. <laughs> um, just come back from Manchester. Blame that. And um, and like uh, it's. So I, there is that, and then there's also you just stay together. I think you find ways. Like, it, I mean, you go through shit patches, like everyone does. Like it's a long time. Ten years is a long time, but if the the good stuff outweighs the shit, that you you work through it. Like you figure out a way to fix it. Like we've been through some terrible times. Like when I started doing comedy, especially when I quit my job to do it full time, I wasn't earning enough money to properly quit, and you have to go through a lot, a lot of sacrifices. And I just think you. The trick to staying together is staying together. That that's all it is. But but then you can't stay in something you hate. But luckily, I don't hate him. I think he's great. So um, I mean, we're a properly good love patch right now as well, which is also also lovely. You're you're at a peak. You're oh a, yeah, you're it's a, a really good love a good love patch. But yeah. also, it's just talking to each other. Like if well, that's if it. you I've, are I've, having an issue, you just need to talk about it. Yep, yeah, I've always said that, that the secret to a good relationship is literally any relationship. It doesn't yeah. have to be like you know a romantic one a, a good friendship is literally uh full disclosure and just keep yeah. just keep the lines of communication completely open and make the effort like if you if you're drifting apart it's because what you're not making an effort you're not trying yeah. you're not trying hard like, do you do date nights not really because we're not very good at organizing oh. but i will most, you know what most fucking comedians aren't oh we're terrible oh, comedians are always late yeah, I was late today, actually. Right. Uh, normally, yeah, I'm really it's not good. your fault. It's virgin, normally, I'm really good. Virgin's fault. Virgin's fault. But uh, my mate Tom, mm, Tom Allen, yeah. always, always late. Really? Yeah. Tom. Always late. I, I'm terrible. better because I panic about guilting, being guilty about leaving people waiting for me. But then it's like, so I like surprising David with things and like I'll book something to go and see. I went to go and see Goosebumps live. That was a surprise for him. That was quite <sighs> nice. Where was that, was that on? It's in the um, Waterloo Vaults. Is it like, any good? It's really scary. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, it's is it quite... like Ghost Stories, the one that was on? Um, is it Ghost Stories? No, it's a promenade one. So it's like the Alice in Wonderland thing that they did. So kind of you go into different rooms and you do a different story and then they bury you alive. And... Oh, it's, um, what's that called? Uh, Inter- immersive theatre. Immersive, that's it's it, really yeah. good. Like, it's quite fun. It's, it's, it's a difficult one because like, I thought it was good, but it, I wouldn't recommend, like I don't know who I'd recommend it to. Like if you okay. loved Goosebumps, then definitely go. I've got a mate who, who loves Because it is fun. Goosebumps. He, he grew up with Goosebumps. He's he's about eight years younger than mm. me. So for, for me, actually it's weird that you're into Goosebumps. Cause, love Goosebumps. But for our age, it was Point Horror. I'm a little bit younger than you, mate. Uh, <laughs> 18 months. It, yeah, it was it was Point Horror. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's all R.L. Stein. Point, Point Horror and Goosebumps. But then I used to watch the Goosebumps show on Nickelodeon like all the time. Me and my little sister used to just sit up and watch Nickelodeon forever. Um so I think she got it early and I got it late. You got it late. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I must have quit Nickelodeon by then. Um, have you ever been to Secret Cinema? Because that's, that's completely do, immersive. I've never done it. Like my little sisters and four of them. Uh, my friends did uh, 28 Days Later the other day. I couldn't go so I was doing a bloody gig because that's my life. It's like I work <laughs> at night time. So when you go out at night time. You're back on nights. I know, right? It's a nightmare. Um, so they do that. But it, yeah, it, I do love that kind of stuff. But I have this problem where I still have a poor head. So when you read the ticket price, you're like, £85. You're like, yeah. that's too much money. And then then all I have to do is look at my bar bill from wherever I was, plus the Uber. And I'm like, you know what? Probably should have gone to Secret <laughs> Cinema. Probably should have experienced I, um, something. I, I I was quite lucky. I was asked to review it. Mm. Um, so I got a comp. But even so, 
the when I found out how much it was, I was like, I don't, I really don't think I would have paid. It was sixty five quid mm. last year for Empire Strikes Back. Mm. I really don't think I would have paid. But I love what they're doing. Yeah, oh no, it's because, incredible. Because cinema attendance is down. Mm. I saw Batman vs Superman on opening day, and the cinema was half full. Yeah, and that and it's well, like a massive. I mean, they say summer film is an Easter, but that's mm. a massive tentpole movie, mm. and people aren't going to the cinema. So getting people interested in film in a oh, really unique way is, is, but, is really uh, cool. But then it kind of showed because that uh, secret cinema Star Wars made the top ten every week. Um, in the, made the box office top ten. Oh fuck! Were they counting it in the top ten? Yeah, I, because I they were screening no it. Because they were screening it properly. You got to see the film. I know they pulled in six million. Mm. So in, it made the profit. it made the because I listen to a film podcast every week and they do the box office top ten and it was in the top ten every week. That's amazing. Yeah, um, just because you know people bloody love Star Wars and I think when you create something immersive for the fans, we do that kind of fan service mm. thing and it's 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 incredible. I had friends. I like I like Star Wars. I enjoy the world. I like sci-fi. I don't love it. Like it was never part of my kind of culture and life. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't have gone. But I've got friends who were like planning their outfits for 18 months before they went you know like oh i just put a white shirt on <laughs> lazy <laughs> and you found out the day before yeah yeah still <laughs> i'm surprised you don't have some sort of stuff in your in your wardrobe well, layer. it was weird because i mean i'm wearing a star wars top now. yeah i'm actually i think i'm wearing star wars underwear as well um <laughs> but star wars was never part of my like proper childhood mm. I, I didn't see it till 97 when i was 14 yeah, yeah. was did you see it like growing up super young so my cousin Jamie was super into Star Wars. So I think I watched it first at his house on VHS. That may have been the first time I saw it. In the, what is this? this like is when I was little, like uh, yeah, so like baby be, little. Yeah, like that, God, I don't know, probably eight, nine, must have been. Cause it was an eighties film, wasn't it? Star Wars. Seventy uh, seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my cousin Jamie was a little bit like he was a cool cousin because he was a, enough older than me that I could be like, I want to be like him. Uh, uh, <laughs> so he was really into it. I think what was, he was, it, what was it about him that was so cool? Because he was just like, you know, when you've got a slightly older kid, it's slightly, because like he knows more things than me. I'm always the older kid. <laughs> <laughs> so old, Robert. <laughs> um, who were your, I mean, you, you've said that you've watched like Goosebumps and, mm. and Star Wars with your cool cousin, but mm. um, who were the comedians that you watched while you were growing up? Oh, God. Uh, so my uncle and my aunt, so my uncle and my, on my uh, dad's side and my aunt on my mum's side were like my naughty aunt and uncle you know the ones who let you see stuff before you're allowed yeah so i stayed at my aunt's house and she'd let me watch the simpsons which is obviously incredible because she had sky and then we'd uh, we'd watch whose lines it anyway and uh, she let me stay up late to watch that and that was incredible i used to i used to love that like yeah. ryan styles is a is a god to me. colin mockery and colin mockery i got to meet colin mockery and that was terrifying um <laughs> so that was kind of it and then victoria wood i used to watch with my parents and i used to love victoria wood because she was kind of saucy without being too rude that I would be embarrassing my parents and then uh, Blackadder Ron Atkinson uh, Fry and Laurie like all that kind of BBC I, I used to listen to um, Blackadder on cassette tape because I used to I used to buy the cassettes and listen to that I used to listen tape. to Bottom on, on cassette, cassette yeah. how can you listen to Bottom on cassette just like it's just bangs and <laughs> crashes I'd, I'd seen the video mm. and then I was just remembering what they looked like. Well, same like, thing. Like when he gets the, uh, in the, the first bottom mm. line, when he gets the full, inflatable doll yeah, yeah. on his knob and he's like, oh, Monica. Monica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same with that. So I did that with uh, Absolutely Fabulous. Like I used to buy that on cassette tape and listen to the Absolutely Fabulous on cassette. Do people still do that? No, they definitely don't do I that don't now. Why would you? You could get it on YouTube. People don't know the pain we went through. <laughs> <laughs> the Hey, the pain of having to listen, <laughs> listen to things on the radio. Um, 
We it, sound like it, so old. I just realized how old that makes us sound. Oh, yeah. But it was cassette. It wasn't just CD, it was cassette. It was cassette. I used to listen to it. Absolutely famous on cassette tape. Four cassettes yeah. a 90-minute show. I think I could perform the episodes that I had on cassette tape of Ab Fab for Ab you Fab. now. Like, I think I could do it. It's strange that your your influences weren't like out and out stand up. It well, they weren't really a lot on... of TV based but sketch as well. When I was young, there wasn't that much stand up on television, and the stand up that was on television was sort of uh, it wasn't alternative comedy yet. Really, it was it was getting there, but like French and Saunders and stuff were what I really liked um, because there wasn't that. Because also, stand-ups were... Like, I loved um, Dame Edna and I loved Jamie, Julian Clary, but stand-ups didn't, weren't me. Stand-ups were my dad's mates. That, that's who were being stand-ups on television. Like, it was books talking about their wives. Oh, I see. So, like, the comedians. Like, yeah, um, that kind the of... The guy who played Frank Butcher and... and yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> that kind of class of people. Yeah. And then I got more into it. Like, my mother-in-law, that yeah. kind of stuff. And then I got more into it kind of later on and started learning about other comedians and it kind of opened your eyes to it and then like Robin, Robin Williams was a I used to love him I used to watch his stand up and thought it was incredible and yeah so I, I, I don't know it's kind of it widened out Joan Rivers obviously uh, who's so? Joan Rivers Joan Rivers unbelievable but I kind of seen them in drips and drabs and snips because it, it's also it's difficult to get hold of like now if you're a 13 year old and you've decided that you bloody love comedy you could pretty much watch comedy from the beginning of time to yesterday yeah if YouTube you has has uh, YouTube, Netflix, everything. The, the life it, it it kind of acts as a free archive. Yeah, for life, and it, it's 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 phenomenal. It's incredible, and uh, like I think it's the best thing in the world. But it's also really difficult now when you create art because you're not if you're making a telly show, for example, you're not just competing against the other things in your time slot. You're competing against everything that's ever been made. Yeah, and that's terrifying. <laughs> it's like oh, I mean, why would you watch Safe Word when you could watch War and Peace? Like it's just it's silly. Yeah. Um, but then you know people like different things and it's timeliness. But, uh, but also they should watch, watch Safe Word. They should watch Safe Word on <laughs> Thursdays at ten. Uh, <laughs> ITV two. Um, I did be too. Oh, God, what, oh fudge. Uh, telly and more some. Uh, telly, and, telly and then some. That's their tagline. Sorry, I was really bad. That's what? That's, that's the, their tagline. I was really... Cause normally, ITV2 cause I quite like is... doing taglines when I mention something because it makes right. it sound like you're being sponsored. Okay. So like um, someone went... Uh, talk, spoke to me as being mean about me being like an ITV shill. And I was like, yeah, ITV, come on in. Uh, which is their <laughs> one. <laughs> I quite like that. So I, I forgot that uh, ITV2 was telly and then some. Um, the, the kind of comedians that I grew up watching were Eddie Izzard. Yeah, yeah. Um, George Carlin. Oh, amazing. Izzard, glorious. I, I, I used to watch that back-to-back on, Eddie on, Izzard, yeah, on, on VHS. Like, um, I, was his, I loved his little um, San Francisco short film yeah. uh, with the voiceovers <laughs> at the beginning of... Do you remember that? At the beginning yeah, yeah, of yeah. Um, Dress to Kill. It also, it came with a CD, didn't it? The glorious one. Because the music... Did it? At the beginning, my, my maybe my I got a special tape. edition. Is that DVD? I, no, I had, it on, I had it on VHS, and I bought the box. So I had it on VHS anyway, and then I bought the box set when it came out, like a little suitcase with a T-shirt, and it cost a bloody fortune. I don't remember. And I, I had, had a book out at the same time. Yeah, I had a CD because the music of Glorious when he's coming on stage is incredible, and he had it like uh, arranged properly for that, like it was composed just for that show. And so I used to listen to it all the time because it was really kind of theatrical and brilliant. I don't, yeah. I don't remember there being a CD. Really? Maybe some fucking next. Look at you now. You're like, I'm gonna go on eBay and <laughs> get a CD. On, <laughs> um, what's the biggest gig you've done? Like the biggest oh, audience? Uh, Not on telly. I mean the live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live. Uh, so I did the Union Chapel. That's quite a lot. And that was full. How many people is that? 
after a thousand and a couple. But oh no, no, Reading and Leeds, uh, Reading Festival. I did Reading Festival. That's probably the biggest ten. The main I've stage. Done. Yeah, main stage. Uh, <laughs> me and Beyonce. No, it was uh, Comedy Tent, which that holds a lot of people. Uh, but then the I'm doing this year. I'm doing the comedy tent in Latitude, and that's like five thousand, I think. Fuck! How a do lot you of even people. connect to all five? That, like the people at the back. How do you make? I mean, I'm going to try. <laughs> I've got no idea. It's a different noise. It's a different noise. It's a different. It's a different gig. It's 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 yeah. It's I've done the Bloomsbury as well. That's quite a lot. I'm trying to think what my biggest is one it, is. In that case, in those situations, is it more that you just talk at them? It's not like you can be intimate and, and pick uh, someone out. Because the, you see, you know, I, 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 I photograph these things. Mm. Stage to barrier when the yeah, audience yeah. can sometimes be the size of another stage. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's it's a different thing. You learn how to do it. Like watching the big guys do stadiums, I'm like, I can't, I couldn't, because I'd be annoyed that people were going out to wee or going yeah. to get a coffee. And they're like, oh, but you can't be annoyed at that because there's twenty thousand people to enter. The O2 must be. You just must shit yourself. Oh, God. I, I really, I, when, I, when I'm there, I don't like... Look, if I'm in the press pit, mm. I don't like looking back at the yeah. audience because I just think that's a lot of people but to be staring at the back of my head. But then the problem is there's, it's... Oh, see, the live performance is an addictive drug. And if you're doing well... like bad, If you do bad stuff, like it's the worst death in the world and it's horrifying. Yeah. But if you do well, you come off stage and you can fly home. Like, you totally understand why so many performers have to turn to drugs to deal with the down from that. Because coming down from that, it, it, it's really... So, like... Uh, and so, I'm, the more people, the bigger that high, because you've won. You've won that room. And it's terrifying what it can do to you. So, even doing The Jungle, when I got back from Australia, like, I'd just done 22 live shows on the trot. Like you don't have time to think. <laughs> and so you don't really have time to come down from them. So it's just like an ongoing, I've done a live show. Oh my God. The the rap party, I got wasted. I got a flight home. And then I was like dead for a month afterwards. Like it was... Like depressed dead or just physically not drained? Like drained and not depressed. But I mean, you know, if you've gone out and you've had a really fun night and then you have a, a bit of a hangover and a come down the next day, like that, the come down from a an adrenaline kick like doing a massive gig or like doing telly yeah. is like no other one and it and it, it's you understand why you know performers can be addicted to things definitely could that also explain why if some comedians or some musicians mm. or, or creative people are no longer good at what they are meant to be doing that they find it really hard to give it up oh god I, like if someone told me tomorrow like, you have to stop I don't know I don't know if I could. Uh, it is a, like it is addictive. It really is addictive. Being told you're not allowed to perform anymore would be like the the worst the thing. Death. The worst thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time you walk off stage, because I, I get this. Mm. Every time I I finish a shoot, mm. there's a little thing in the back of my head says, that says that's the last time you'll ever. Do oh, a shoot. that's horrifying! I really hope that doesn't happen to me ever. But. Obviously, it's not because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know someone calls and I get another job mm. or I do my own shoots. But do you do you have that little thing in the back of it? You go, that's the last time I'm going mean, to do a gig. Now you've mentioned it out loud, I will now. <laughs> uh, no, no. Also, because I've got other gigs in the diary. Okay. Generally, oh, la di da. That's not okay. Well, it's different from like, it's a different <laughs> thing from a photographer shoot to a a gig thing. Like I, I I haven't had that. No, I do. If I do a telly or I do a big gig or something I do go home and then obviously you replay it in your mind and by the time you finish replaying it in your mind you did a poo on the stage and left like yeah. that's what you think happened 
I've got, oh, I've, I've, oh I've, like I've done shoots where I thought, oh, oh I've just shot the biggest load of yeah. shit. What the fuck am I going to do? And, and then when they get home and look at the pictures, go, oh, they're all right. Yeah, well, I've gotten yeah. better at not doing that to myself because I know it's ridiculous and I know what my brain is doing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, making sure that I don't have too high expectations. But equally, that's really not a good place to be. So I, I, I do try and fight that voice entirely because I just think it's, it's, not, it's not useful. It's not a useful emotion. Like no. regret and panic is not a useful emotion. Yeah. It's hard to deal with that anxiety, isn't mm. it? Um, so we always end on the quiz. Okay, go on. Um, it's all surrounding you, kind of. Oh, God. All right. Um, so, My favourite topic. Well, what actress has appeared in Dallas, Roseanne, Sybil, and Friends? One particular actress. Oh, my God. She's appeared in Dallas, Roseanne, Sybil, I loved Sybil. And I love Sybil so much. She's been in Sybil. Is that her? No, no, no. It's not Marianne. I just always remember thinking of it. Oh, that's really hard. Come on, connected to you. Connected to me? Yeah. Stop playing with the mic. You're not on telly now. How connected to me? You comedians, you're always just... I have to hold it. You have to hold it. really weird. I have to hold it. You don't know what to do with your spare hands. I'll put it behind my trousers for a bit. Oh, my God. Uh... So she's connected to you. Connected to me. Diane Morgan? I've got no idea. Morgan Fairchild. Morgan Fairchild. Oh. <laughs> Remember she played Chandler's mum. <laughs> um, who wrote a 1980s article in The Sun called The Puffs <laughs> of Pop? <laughs> oh, in the 1980s when I was reading The Sun reg- regularly. Uh, David Morgan. <laughs> Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Oh, dad. <laughs> He's in there. Nice. Um... According to SheNow.com, <laughs> sorry, SheKnow.com, she know. Um, what is the number one most unusual safe word? The most unusual safe word? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know who they, they polled, but they, they decided uh, this is the most pomegranate. unusual. Beetlejuice. Ugh, that's a good one. Don't yeah. say it three well, times, though. Three times yeah. what happens. Um, BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. That uh, forward thinking. Heard of them. Yeah. BuzzFeed article. Um, 23 pictures that prove glasses make guys <laughs> look obscenely hot. Oh, God. Who came first? Who came first in that? Yeah. Uh, probably, uh, like, Chris Evans in glasses, like the Captain America Chris Evans. All right, glasses. I was going to say, not yeah. Top Gear. No, not um, top- no, it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Crushing him since uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. He's I'd so say- sexy. Yeah, but <laughs> we have to put disclaimer. <laughs> I feel the same, but you also have to go. Well, I was I, the same age. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> of him with my old mind, mm. with my like my eight year old head. Well, I fancied him when he was little, and I was the right age to fancy yeah. someone who was two years older than me. <laughs> and now I fancy like him in Dom John. Holy moly! Oh, even even in uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer, oh, he's hot. Yeah. Oh, and in uh, what's someone everything in, everything he's everything in. I love him, <laughs> Joseph. If you're listening to this. <laughs> Stop um, that girl, come on. Who won? Is he going out with someone? He's married, isn't he? I'll rip her hair out. <laughs> um, who won the girls' one of that? Oh. Uh, which, which girl is proves that women could look women obscenely look, hot? Obscenely, obscenely hot, hot in glasses. I don't know. This article had those slidey things where they had picture glasses, without and oh picture God. with. Just traitors. Some, um, some poor work experience kid had to make that. <laughs> No, someone got paid. Um, <laughs> who wears glass? Uh, Jennifer Aniston. She was on the list, mm. but she's not number one uh, because obviously she's done nothing for years. Oh, <laughs> poor Jennifer. Apart from that awful Airlines advert. <gasps> so where, bad. Where she's looking for, 
Is there no shower here? <laughs> she got, she gets paid to do that now. Um, Anne Hathaway. Oh, of course. Of course. Cause yes, yes. Why wouldn't it be? Love a bit of Anne Hathaway. Okay, now. Um, so as I said <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast, if you want to see the photos, I just took a David. Uh, go to www.sftl.photos. There's an S at the end. It's plural. Um, how can people contact you, David? What's your uh, I Twitter? am on Twitter at this is David, Instagram at this is David, and this is David.com. Nothing on Facebook? You know, the pho- oh, yeah, forward page? slash this is David. But no one uses Facebook no. anymore. Um, David, thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, but I was going to ask you if you, if you had fun. I did have fun. It was really <laughs> but good. But you, you, you gave that willingly. <laughs> <laughs> Which proves it's true. It's true. Um, this is how we end the podcast. I've been Robert Gershenson. I've been David Morgan. We'll shoot you later. Yeah.